So if we could just start by you guys introducing yourselves. So if we'll go with Mark, if you could just introduce yourself, who you are and, and where you've come from, Mark, that would be great. Hello, Mark Austin, Director of Transformation for Information Management and Business Analytics at Buckinghamshire Healthcare. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Annie, if we can go to you. Um, Annie Dwarknath, I'm the Head of Information at Milton Keynes Hospital. I've been working in the NHS for the last 12 years and with Milton Keynes for the last seven. Thank you very much, Annie. That was great. And then over to you, Emma. Hi everyone, I'm Emma Smith. Um, I'm the Head of Business Intelligence at East of England Ambulance Service. Um, I've been in this role since June, actually this year, but my other roles have been within the East of England, um, doing uh, roles for a CSU commissioner and an acute trust, so within the NHS as well. Perfect. And then last but not, not least, if we go over to you, Nagi. Hi everyone, this is Nagi. Uh, uh, I'm the Head of Actionable Intelligence at uh, Barking, Havering and Redbridge University Hospitals. Um, I've been with the NHS for about nine years now and uh, the recent uh, good things I've done is uh, implementing uh, Cerner and Epic uh, um, EPR systems at a couple of trusts. Thank you very much. That was great, guys. Um, so I'm just going to get started in the questions. Um, so as I know, I spoke to you all last week before uh, I went away. But if we could just if you just want to put your hand up when you've got something to say and then we'll just go in order of who's put the hand up. OK, uh, if no one has anything to say on the question, I will be prompting you for answers. So <laughs> everyone does get a chance to speak on each question. Um, so, Mark, let's start with you just going in the order of the introductions. Uh, your question was, what does a data-driven decision-making organisation need for reports and business intelligence to make the difference? So if you could just give us a bit of context to that question and then we'll go around the group and get everyone's thoughts and opinions on that. So I, I suppose from a, an information perspective in the NHS, we we have lots of data. We produce lots of reports for different people. But the question is, does it help anybody in an operational sense make a difference um, and to affect how they approach things? So it, it's fine having this rear view mirror view of the world, but you know when when the pressures are building, um, we're in winter. We, we, whatever definition you want, we're definitely in winter in the NHS. And the activity levels have increased back and we don't have the beds. So there's a, a an increasing pressure in places like emergency care. And uh, that's affecting some ambulance trusts because we're we're backing up ambulances outside while we try and process patients to admit. Meanwhile, with elective recovery, we're trying to catch up with operations that were rightly suspended in the middle of the main COVID wave. So I suppose it's it's moving on from simple reports saying this is what we've done to actually this is something we need to take note of and something to plan for tomorrow, next week in terms of getting people lined up and anticipating things. Yeah, so we talk about being data driven, but um, we just seem to drown in the data sometimes. 
Thank you, Mark. That was a, a really good explanation of, of where you're coming from with that question. Emma, I've seen you nodding your head quite a lot, <laughs> especially yeah. to the ambulance ambulance services bit. So do you have you got anything to say on that? Yeah, so I guess um, we have, I guess because our uh, organisation is 24 hours, it's constantly changing, as with uh, yours, obviously. Um, we have quite a lot of reports that ops can use either out on the road or wherever they are during their working day at whatever time. So we have a lot of live dashboards that feed through kind of every um, 15 minutes um, that can be accessed on iPads or mobile phones, things like that. Um, we've also started to implement a lot of um, well insight into what our board currently gets as well, because as much as operational things are going on, and we need to let them know about current situations. It's also about developing our board report and narrative and assurance and things like that. So we've been working with NHS England off the back of some recommendations to um, kind of improve our narrative in reporting and working with different execs and things to make sure that the metrics that were included are up to date. So everyone's kind of on the same page and knows what we're currently focusing on. Um, and then how that's portrayed in terms of graphs or information um, is kind of the most current and the best for assurance. Um, we've also employed a couple of roles in the BI team to make sure that we're linking constantly or linking in constantly with decision makers to check that what they require is what we're actually producing because things change week on week and then or day by day. So we need to be reporting the, the latest figures or the figures that are going back up to the region really to know what's going on to hopefully, uh, well, hopefully help out the rest of the system. I hope that helps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Emma, that was brilliant. And straight over to you, Andy, you've got your hand raised. I mean, I, 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 I echo what um, Mark said earlier that we've got a lot of data, but very little intelligence and in, uh, various energies organizations. And um, coming to Emma as well, I mean, we certainly need a solid, solid infra infrastructure for reporting and analytics to produce useful information which more and more trusts are adopting these days and we are getting there in terms of those things. But what I wanted to sort of stress on is um, probably the word trust here, trust in our data. Uh, data quality in most NHS organization can be varied and it's at times I sort of see if there is, if the data quality is not to a good standard, uh, we can lose our audience very easily. Once there is a question about what data we hold, we can easily lose our um, audience uh, Audience and the whole sort of creating the reports and giving it to our customers, the whole purpose is defeated. So I think pro maintaining the trust is really important. And one of the things I can say is having a single source of truth within the organization becomes really important. Um, I know we've got latest technologies like the modern data warehouse architecture, which we can utilize to create that single source of truth. 
Um, one other final point, probably what I would suggest is the organizational data maturity. We can create more and more complicated reports, but if our organization is not ready to accept that, we probably have to look back and try and see if we can start with simple reports to start off with and get their confidence, bring them along with them with our journey, and then start increasing the complexity to deliver more useful information. And it's a slow process, it's a cultural uh, thing and a behavioral thing. So we would have to work with our sort of customers on a day-to-day -day basis to make that difference. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Annie. Uh, Nagi, let's go over to you. Yeah, sure. So uh, to begin with, uh, the question from uh, Mark is uh, quite uh, quite a good one in terms of uh, because it's touching two aspects. One is uh, the business intelligence uh, aspect, as well as uh, the reporting which comes out of it. So um, with, within uh, within the NHS, um, uh, being at few few of them over the uh, over the years, um, I've uh, I've I've. I think we should have a BI solution uh, that is um, reliable, accessible, and user-friendly. Okay, and um, uh, I say user-friendly because uh, within the NHS, it is uh, uh, during this pandemic years, for the last two years, it's becoming uh, very hard to recruit um, staff with certain skill levels, and especially within within the uh, data data and data warehousing and business intelligence aspect. So uh, yeah, be a solution which we uh, adopt should be uh, um, accessible and uh, user friendly. So if and um, the amount of time that we spend to train new new staff should be very minimal. So um, and uh, along with it, uh, a BI solution should be a many to one. Okay, so uh, when I say many to one, because uh, within the um, hospital or within the NHS trust, we have a lot of uh, streams like inpatients, outpatients, theatres, um, cardiology, uh, and again you have pathology, various other streams. So the, um, th there are very few systems that uh, that capture all of this information in one. So we should have uh, a BI solution that is uh, many to one. Okay, and then um, from all these different data sources, we'll have um, one platform where this data is saved. Okay, so one, once that once that is what once that is done, once we have uh, all the data captured, and you can you can then start your data modeling on top of it, and um, you, you can adapt to um, various methodologies which are currently out in the market, either Kimball or Inman, um, but usually within the NHS and uh, how it operates, I think Kimball is uh, the usual way to go. So um, once you do that, and th that is when you start thinking about your actual reports. Okay, so and then um, with these reports as well, uh, we can um, we can do. Uh, I mean, we should we should we should start walking first, then to run. Okay, so as um, as what Annie was saying, so um, similar 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 things. So uh, we have to start off with uh, very minimal reports. Okay, so because um, reports are you can do you can use any visualization tool again that that are out in the market, but uh, what we take out from the reports is the key. Not only for us, but for the end users whom we are doing these reports for. So um, when when we do a report, either it's a chart or map or you know any 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 form of report, what they take out of the report is very important, and that will help the organization move forward. Okay. So uh, if if th there will be a lot of numbers and data and everything, how the uh, service user interprets the data and then builds upon that data. 
So for suppose um, if you, if you do a report for A and E uh, around the um, where four four hour breaches and waiting times and various other aspects, so then. Um, you, you can't just see see at the dashboard and then oh okay yeah this is this is how it is yes we are green or we are red or amber no but if you're amber what what can you do better too you know so we we need that sort of thinking developed from which should be driven from the bi team to the services okay so that means what happens is this if you, if you, if you tell them okay this is what you have and if you do adopt some sort of strategy or case build a case around the figures currently which you are you can achieve or be there. Okay, so that way what happens is the end users will have alertness. Okay, again, before that, as uh, Emma and uh, uh, Annie were saying, we need the trust in the numbers. Okay, so a single a single source for everything. So we don't want multiple dashboards showing multiple data for the same KPI, so which is the usual scenario, but for for various things. So yeah, so we want a single a single source which we can or the service users can rely on, and then we should help them understand what the data is and how they can interpret it, use it, and then take it from there on. Perfect. Thank you so much. Has anyone got anything else to add on to that until we go on to the next? Question? No, no, no problem whatsoever. Amazing. Um, okay, perfect. So you've all changed on the screen, so I'm just going to go see you, Nagy, because you're next to Mark. <laughs> um, so you asked two questions. Uh, what we said we were going to do is talk about the first one, and then we will, uh, if we've got time at the end, we'll come to the second one. So the first question was how to promote report usage with clinical staff for better patient care. Um, so if you want to go ahead and just give us a bit more context to that and then again we'll go around the group. Yeah sure so um, my, my question came from uh, a sort of a, how do you say a disappointing feeling I've recently encountered uh, with, with, the, with the services uh, so uh, over, the, over the last few months we have done a lot of uh, reporting okay using ClickView and ClickSense and, uh, and printing as well um, there, there's a lot of very good data Okay, so um, we've done a lot of um, charts and, you know, we visualized it to the core. But um, when I uh, when I started looking at the usage reports, there are very uh, few people that are using. So, uh, and some of them uh, only used it during the process of developing the report and once till the sign off and after the sign off that they're, they're not using it. So. I mean, they, they might have their own reasons, but I still want them to use it for, yeah, as I was mentioning in um, uh, Mark's question, you know, uh, we have to drive them for better patient care and make make decisions at a clinical front. So um, any ideas from you guys as to how can I promote the dashboards, which <laughs> we have done or you guys have done? So. Thank you, Nagy. I think, Mark, you look like you've experience something similar or something along the lines you seem to be nodding your head quite a lot of you I, I i think it's a common issue yeah. isn't it where um everyone has a view on what they want but they can never express it to us in a way that we can necessarily address so you know going back to what was said before that we need to start simple and build on it so when they say we want this with 85 metrics it's like right okay well let's, let's just start at the beginning with one to five and then you know are we putting this in the right sort of format for you do you want a graph to go with that do you want an spc do you want to join the dots you know th there's lots of things we can do and the the way that we 
the, the presentation tool is is secondary in the sense because at the end of the day they can all be made to do similar things they just do it in a slightly different way you you've got to have shaped the data in the first place in this central store so that we are doing this consistency in reporting our metrics wherever we report them so we have the same number so as long as we're doing the same context you know the a and &E four hour target is the same at one site to another site you know obviously there's there can be some differences of what the sites are doing but that you know it is well recognized so it's getting getting people used to what you're showing them to get them engaged in it i, I think one of the traps we all sort of fall into is expecting them to come and, and look after themselves once we've done something um we're very good at spoon feeding or sending out stuff and that's fine as long as if the email or the push of a report has given them the key information that they need then in a way we've we've addressed it and then one day in the two months they might actually click on it and go into the report and actually dive into the detail because it's you know there's something that's happened that they want to go back to or something is worrying them about next week so it, it it's really about keep plugging at it keep going to their meetings you know we can't expect clinicians to come to our meetings and you know, we've got to rock up and we might only get three minutes at near the end of their meeting but we've got to make them count thank you mark i think that was really good have you got anything to add on to there annie yeah, I mean, um, just I mean, uh, echo what Mark said in terms of um, going there and making your presence felt and just showing the organization and showing your clinicians that you are there to help and we all have the same goal to improve patient care and patient safety. And your visibility is key, so you have to make sure that you're visible out there so that if they think of a problem, they think of you as a solution uh, to come to you to say, okay, he knows what the data says, so he can give me a solution so that he can come back to us. So that presence is really important. Uh, one of the other things which I've sort of um, noticed is um, if the system to access that information is too difficult, they don't generally bother. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, asking for that system. So generally, if 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 we have a reports and say on a portal or on a website, they want to get to know the information in one or two clicks or maximum three clicks uh, uh, to get to what they want to know. Um, so that's a challenge, uh, as you may know, with with various reports getting to the answer in three clicks would be really difficult in many circumstances. And these are complicated pathways and, and the problems are very difficult um, to understand. So that's the other thing. And again, rather than sort of giving them just the information of various things, like we said, 100 different metrics and say, these are all the metrics and some of them are doing well, some of them are not doing so well and so on. That doesn't add any additional insight to 
our clinicians. It says, okay, we, we're doing good on a half a dozen of them and we're not showing another half. So, so what? So are our reports solving a particular problem or is our reports giving information so that they can really go and make a difference in either uh, patient safety or seeing patients sooner or some other uh, patients facing impact. So making sure that we are solving a problem in terms of our clinical reports. To an extent, we are dependent on our clinicians to tell us that. Uh, they might not volunteer that information. It's probably our role to sort of go in and get that information out to design our reports more effectively. Thank you, Annie. And uh, Emma, you were like nodding your head and stuff to a few things that Annie was saying. Have you got anything to add? Yeah, I'd agree with what Annie and um, Mark said really around it is a bit of a common issue and it is a bit of a challenge really to get people on board. I think from a East perspective, the issue that we've had is that we haven't really had much clinical data or the data quality hasn't been the best. But recently, um, as a BI team, we've developed our clinical data more. So we've issued all paramedics with a um, with an iPad to be able to do their electronic patient care record. So before they had to complete like a piece of paper and fill it all in and then that go to the audit team and it'd take about a month to be sent through to us. But now we have iOS data going into our data warehouse that gets reported or will get sent through to us about 24 hours later. So we have much more live data, which I think gets much more people involved um, because they're more interested in what happened maybe last week instead of what happened last month, depending on what's going on in the trust. Um, so definitely say being able to develop your own data to get it much more timely and better data quality will also bring um, uh, clinicians on board really or anyone on board. Everyone wants uh, the most live data they can get at the minute, don't they? So yeah. Thank you, Emma. Annie, have you got something to add? Yeah, I was, uh, just wanted to echo what Emma said in terms of having real-time data, and that's been one of our challenges to have uh, real-time data in uh, most NHS organizations. But uh, more and more, I can see that many uh, other trusts and us, including us, have solved those problems. For example, um, in Milton Keynes, we have um, a live uh, yeah, emergency department dashboard, uh, any dashboard which tells uh, when the patient arrived, where they are currently and what they are waiting for and possibly what the de their destination is going to be. And that kind of live information on the shop floor, so as to speak, really makes a difference. And that's your front for um, your business intelligence saying that we can do this on a live basis. You just have to work with us to see what we can do in terms of advanced analytics and we can give you wonderful answers based on that and using which you can make your decisions. So uh, using live data is a very good example to push that across. Thanks, Annie. We'll go straight over to you, Mark. Yeah, sorry, I, we, we've also had the opposite problem in that We've done live dashboards, mm -hmm. giving which obviously have to be 
crisp and straight to the point you know how many are breaching 12 hours how many we got in the department um but of course it's live at that instant and of course then what they say is we want all of that as it was through through the last few days so you you spend your time doing a dashboard that is live and then you end up doing something that's a report on what the dashboard told you which is quite yeah. funny but there you go mm. yeah the, the same thing on that as well we have exactly the same issue uh, we decided to split our dashboard two-thirds and one-third two-thirds of the dashboard showing the live information and the third uh, the remaining third showing your historical performance that's one <laughs> that's what we had to do uh, on that example mm. have you got anything to say emma i know you seem to agree with Mark. Uh, yeah i just agree yeah. i think yeah, we, yeah. It, everyone wants everything live but also what happened at the same period last year or uh, anything like that to try and compare to see if it if it's just a fluke or if it's it's normal but yeah but yeah I, I think it's just a common thing everywhere isn't it thanks emma uh nagi have you got anything to add before we go on to the next question uh, no i'm uh i'm, I'm quite um I'm quite happy with the responses because we all <laughs> seemed like we are sailing in the same boat, <laughs> especially around the A&E because we have A&E dashboard and um, it's it's live. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the staff are okay. So um, it's it's live and people are using uh, live dashboards. They're they're quite hands on. But um, the question arises when um, you know someone points a finger at a particular record and say uh, this is what they are. But no, 15 minutes ago they are not there. <laughs> so uh, Again, trying to explain uh, where they were before and um, how the data is and everything. But yeah, it's all it's all fun. <laughs> Thank you, Nagi. Thanks, guys. Um, okay, Emma, we're over to you. So your question was, what processes or solutions do you have in place to link data together to see a full patient pathway within your trust to provide timely reporting? So is that something that you're um, struggling with in, at your place? I know you've just implemented a few things, haven't you? Do you want to give us a bit of context, then we'll go round. Yeah, um, so we're in the process of putting together um, a data lake. Um, so I'm sure you in your trust have all different systems to capture your different data that almost sit in silos. We have a similar um, issue. So we have our, our CAD 999 data, our electronic patient record data, which is the iOS data I just talked about. We have rostering and staff data um, and we have patient transport data and, and they're kind of our main uh, systems that we want to get to almost give a single source of the truth, to almost put in one dashboard all together. We use Power BI as a trust so that the aim would be for anyone to access all of that once. Um, a lot of our CAD data we already produce in Power BI, but for other areas, this is brand new reporting that the Trust hasn't seen before. So we like to kind of get to a point where we can roll out a few reports and see what um, the uptake is from across the, well, across the Trust. Um, so it was just to ask, have you guys got anything similar at your Trust and are you a bit more advanced than us on that? I know from an ambulance um trust perspective we're the first out of the 10 to implement a data leak so it's all very new so I wanted to ask if any of you have anything uh, or have done anything off the back of a data leak as well. 
Uh, that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Emma. Uh, Annie, should we go straight to you? Um, yeah, um, uh, Milton Keynes have uh, gone through uh, a journey for the last three years to modernize our sort of data platform. Um, so to speak, as part of that, um, Data Lake and the data warehouse was the first things which we sort of built. Um, the idea with the data lake was to make sure that we are, have that data lake in, in the cloud platform to sort of put all of this information in one place, which we can um, ingest into our data warehouse, which is one source of truth for us. We don't we collect all the information in our data lake, but we don't necessarily load everything into our data warehouse. Uh, our data warehouse is developed. I mean, we have the basic information like your activity numbers and all of those things are there, but uh, the new data sets or the niche data sets, we don't straight away load it in, but we do collect it in the data lake. Uh, but as and when the need arises, um, we include load that into the data warehouse and uh, sort of process it and structure it in terms of your star schema and various things to make it into dimensions and facts and just to go into the technical details but uh, yeah once it's all processed in the data warehouse what we also are using at the moment is something called as the analysis services in azure um, which which builds a semantic data model on top of your data warehouse, uh, which essentially connects various different data sets all together and um, make sure that uh, the end user uh, doesn't have to go and join multiple data sets to get that information. By using analysis services that's already built in by the business intelligence team, and the end user, all they have to do is whether they are using Power BI or if they're using Excel, it doesn't really matter. It will just, the, the semantic data model within analysis services is loaded into um, their reporting tool and they can just drag and drop based on what they need. Having said that, I mean, we have not completely rolled out this data set to everybody in the organization to build their own reports just yet. Uh, Probably in a few years time we will, but at this point, all our business analysts don't have to worry about linking data sets together. They have these fields built already and they can worry about more about the analytics and what the message they're sending out with these new reports and dashboards. So that has worked really well for us and also that has solved some of our security uh, issues such as protecting patient data. So we don't want to display patient names and various things to everybody in the organization. So we have a specific group who can access patient information and that security information is also held in analysis services, which sort of solves the problem. So that's something we have found really useful. Uh, uh, building on top of the data lake uh, instead of directly going from data lake to Power BI, introducing the data warehouse and analysis services in, in between has been very helpful for us. Thank you, Annie. Maggie? Yes, yeah, sure. So um, um, in terms of uh, uh, getting the uh, full pathway for a patient, so uh, um, 
I mean, once we have uh, all the data in the data warehouse uh, uh, from single source or different source, either from single EPR system or multiple of them. Um, so uh, what so far I have uh, done is um, understanding the workflow. Okay, like like for for an acute acute trust perspective, um, like for suppose you have uh, inpatient, outpatient theaters, and um, you'd also have the pharmacy data as well as the maternity peds, etc. So, um, so um, if we can get the workflows understood right and build. So once this is after capturing all the data, so bringing all the data from the EPR system into the data warehouse or using the data lakes or anything. So once you get in, so you try and build a small data sets for each part of the workflow. Okay, like for suppose uh, if you pick up on um, metanity, so you can do one for uh, the antenatal, one for the postnatal, and a uh, few, few other elements within within the whole uh, pathway of the metanity. So by doing so, what happens is you, you can understand and uh, you could ca you could bring in a data set for each element of it. Either if you're doing uh, a scans or if it's antenatal or uh, you want to find out about uh, the postnatal. Uh, so what happens is by this way we'll capture the entire pathway um, as well as uh, um, if if you're if you're looking for the uh, usual mandatory and statutory uh, submissions returns we do. So we could also get the information by working through the workflow. Okay. So if you're focusing around the clinical workflows, I think that would solve uh, a lot, lot of issues. So again, um, you, you can you can do similar with the uh, inpatients as well. So um, you. you you can you can start from uh, if if the source is A and E or if anything else so they admit it and then you can follow through the similar like episodes and then uh, you have uh, um, all the, the admissions admissions related information and then um, where they are through which ward they are shifting to and uh, various various other elements so that way what happens is if you follow the workflow you'll capture uh, the entire pathway and even if they're aftercare if you want to know about the aftercare or if you want to capture about the uh, um, medicines that have been um, uh, what do you say? Administered while they are in the hospital, you, you can capture it from um, uh, a JAC, or if if they're using the same EPR system, again you can capture that information as well. And um, so what happens? I know I know uh, we should have all the linkage between each one of these. Either uh, if it's a single system, it is easy to uh, yeah, try and figure out the linkage. But if it is again multiple systems, you have to come up with a um, how do you say? Uh, a linkage that um, coexists between systems or try and come up with a, a logic that satisfies the requirement. So I think I think going through the workflow um, helped a lot from the past experience I have. So. Uh. Thank you. And then Mark, last but not least, let's go over to you. No, that's fine. Um, it, you certainly do have to have different identities for the same patient. You know, um, aliases, if you'd like, so that you can try and match between the systems and some of the systems and are not of our making or gift in the you know e-referrals for instance you know we, we have to take mm -hmm. a, a reference number and associate it um, the the other thing that's happened increasingly more recently is adding things like the index of multiple deprivation alongside ethnicity so whilst we don't expose patient sensitive information uh, per se we we cut it a different way to make sure that we're not disadvantaging for a, a area uh, you know and you you look at that across the geography that you're you're looking after and increasingly we need to share data 
within our ICS footprint. So our boundaries are blurring, no longer bound by our, our county borders. We, we have to deal with our, our other counterparts. Um, ours is nicely referred to as Bob, which sounds quite nice. Uh, Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire and Berkshire. Um, but I, I can't help but not think of the not the nine o'clock news sketch about Bob. But this is this whole assembly line of people and they're all called Bob. So Bob's got the wrench. No, Bob's got it, etc. So we, we're all trying to um, identify issues with patients, frequent attendees at A&E. Is there a way of avoiding admissions? Because the, the problem for the ambulance service in us is that once they're at A&E, we've got to do something. Mm -hmm. If we can avoid them having to be picked up, that the, there's some outreach that will look after some of um, some cohorts and there's some regional work going on with that when we're trying to look at different people that that could be effective for and it doesn't then fall on the ambulance staff to be that gatekeeper and also you know how can we speed the discharge process you know is there a way at the end of that pathway where we know that things get clogged up and certainly with medicines, you know, have, have we built up what the to take home or to take out uh, medicine list is going to be during the last few days of their stay rather than left it lastminute.com and trying to do it on the day and then pharmacy get 50 requests within an hour, which then they're not going to achieve. So, you know, it's about pace and planning uh, so that we, you know, things work smoother unfortunately we can't build hospitals quick enough um, or make beds in spaces we haven't got so we, we've got to try and think smarter and just help people understand where where some of the issues are so it, that it's that sort of linkage which helps with the path where is there something that we can do while they're there um if there's some other things that that patient needs you know, it, it, it's also about give, giving clinicians access across the shared care record, because if, if they can see other aspects of their health life, that might change their perception about what their relative priority should be, you know, rather, rather than lumping 50% into a priority four for the elective recovery. They, they might drill down to the diabetics of a certain age group in a certain area and decide that, you know, that they might need more attention, if you see what I mean. So it's giving the tools to the clinicians to help them make the decision. Thank you, Mark. That was brilliant. Um, Emma, have you got anything that you'd like to add on to any of them? Not really, I think, thank you. Um, it's just helpful to see kind of what stages you're all at or um, I think it's definitely useful about the, um, I've wrote down the um, analysis services in Azure, Annie. I think that's something we'll definitely look at as like our next step. But then also um, from what um, Mark and Maggie said around trying to plan in the flow of patients and things like that, I think it's something we could work on just so our final dashboards when everything's in will give the best representation of what's going on. So that's great, thank you.
Excellent. Thank you. And has anyone else got anything to add before we move on to the next question? No, perfect. OK, Annie, so over to you. Uh, how can NHS organisations collaborate to adopt the latest technological advancements in data analytics and reporting? Okay, yeah, yeah as I was saying uh, earlier, we went through a three-year project which is recently completed to modernise our um, reporting and analytics infrastructure. And this included things like uh, migrating our current sort of data warehouse on to the cloud uh, and we chose Azure for that. And we also introduced Power BI as our main reporting tool and also set up foundations of doing advanced analytics with using machine learning and AI. Um, I noticed that more and more NHS organization are going through the same or similar journey and and while sort of carrying out these projects and I was wondering and some of the problems I've had to solve uh, along the course of our journey is would be applicable to quite a few other organizations. I just kept thinking um, these issues needs to be solved just once and every single organization across the country is trying to solve the same problems again and again. And I know there is some collaboration in terms of ICSs locally to understand from each other. Uh, my thinking is, is there anything else we can do to collaborate more widely across the NHS? And is there a role for national bodies like NHS Digital, NHSX and NHS England to play there? Then what they're they are already doing some parts of it by giving us funding and doing things. Um, there should be a better way of collaborating because we are solving the same problems across the patch. So I would like to know your opinion on that. Thanks, Annie. Mark, we'll go straight over to you. Okay, um, I, I think sharing our journeys, if I can use that ubiquitous term, um, a shared, a shared amount of pain helps people know that it's worth it to get through it. So yes, you've got to normalise your data, your facts, your dimensions, etc. Um, but there's something about having the right sort of t tool set available to you. So once you've done the reporting sort of layer, there, there's something about having other tools for the things you can't quite anticipate. So yeah, we, we've all mentioned presentation tools that, that they will do presentation, which is fine. But sometimes the, the systems that we've built for specific purposes don't let us quite analyze in the way we, we want. So being able to integrate other data science tools like R and there's a, a good NHS R community out there um, that, that will help with that and certainly some machine learning AI and it can be integrated with that. So you, you can do some modeling as a as a sort of a subroutine. And it also lets you do some of that more flexible integration because you can move some things from different places. But you know, I, I wouldn't rule out Python, but I, I just have my preference for R in comparison. 
Thanks, Mark. Emma? Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, so it's a little bit different for Ambulance Trust because there's a lot less of us. Uh, we have a group called NIAG, which is the National Ambulance Information Group. So we meet kind of, I think it's every couple of months and we discuss kind of everything that's going on because we're asked a lot of things from NHS England, which are the same. So we used to meet, um, well, all in person, but now it's much better because it's done virtually and we don't have to kind of travel all across the country, which is nice. But we can go through all of those things together and be able to um, kind of hash out any problems that others are having. So and we also have kind of an, an email communication so we can say, how have you calculated this metric? Because we're struggling. So I guess for us, that's really helpful. Um, but in terms of advancements and everything like that, I feel like the past 18 months because of COVID has forced us into everyone having to upskill their teams and know kind of the latest things to um, to look into and do, such as Python and, and different data science um, kind of tools out there. So one of one of the things I would recommend if you if you haven't um, heard of it is. Um, and it's called Analyst X and it's on Futures NHS. So it was kind of something that was stood up for all analysts to get um, to get involved in, in terms of when COVID first started and they asked for the sit reps and every trust went, oh my God, how are we going to do this overnight? Um, it was almost a forum for all trusts to get together and say, how are you pulling this metric? Where are you pulling it from? Because we're going we're gonna to struggle, basically. Um, but off the back of it, they've made like an analyst community and they run, um, well, they've recently partnered with a load of different organisations and then they've put a load of courses on which analysts can attend to upskill themselves, which are free, which is something that we well, we certainly find as an organisation difficult to access because there's normally a cost implied with them. Um, but now it's a lot more accessible for analysts to develop themselves and then bring things back to to your trust maybe to help with advancements because we can say, oh well, uh, an analyst at Northwest or something has has done all this off the back of this course. This is something that I think might help us. So I definitely say that the networks have now been established. It's just whether um, whether you know that they're there or not. I think as I think we just stumbled across it really. But the stuff that's on offer is really helpful for analysts or uh, kind of heads of department because you can see from a NHS England point of view what they're trying to roll out across to get people up to speed with what they're doing too. Um, Thanks yeah. for that. Thank you. That was great. Um, and then, Nagy, if we go over to you. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Analyst X, yes, yeah, that was a good mention, Emma, uh, because um, a couple of my uh, team members have uh, recently done Power BI course, which was uh, four days, across four days. And usually, uh, if you if you go for a private um, provider, it would cost thousands for, you know, in the bank. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, the feedback I've received is, uh, though it was intense across four days, it was quite good. Mm -hmm. So um, it gave them the confidence that they can do and um, how easily it is adoptable and um, the different you know, things they, they could do. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, quite, they're quite quite happy with the four days course. So uh, I mean, before the course, they were like, oh, Power BI, oh no, how am I going to learn and everything? But now they're quite happy. So um, yeah, that was a good mention. But in terms of uh, Annie's question, um, with the uh, collaborative work, um, I think um, it it is it is good. 
for sharing knowledge and intelligence. But uh, there are some downsides when you're trying to, um, um, how do you say, uh, bring across different organizations and try and, uh, you know, uh, work together. Again, um, either it is uh, trying to get into a single data layer or uh, trying to provide a single um, reporting analytical tools or IEPR systems. So again, they're all, they're all next level. But um, I think uh, we are hearing a lot about uh, or this culture is now uh, booming, I should say. Like uh, when I was with Berkshire, we were working closely with Oxford and a few other trusts uh, to implement the CERNA system. So that was a, that was a good again because uh, uh, Oxford went live before and then um, the Berkshire can look at Oxford and say, OK, so yeah, we are here. So how we can then get in touch with relevant teams and uh, try and understand what situations or what are the lessons learned at their end and we can then adopt and try and avoid you know any uh, such kind of stuff so um, the collaborative work is um, really really good i mean sh this is this is relevant to uh, sharing experiences and uh, knowledge and uh, the insights and uh, the best practices is another one and um, this also helps into organizations looking at um, any uh, anything that they haven't looked at before so uh, yeah so uh, Again, uh, yeah, so th that is that is at uh, sharing and working uh, with a specific skill set. But if you're working again um, at different organizations trying to work together or collaborate, um, then again, uh, like the skills and uh, skills will be an issue. You know, if you're trying to work at a more high level, again, um, if organizations organizations are using different EPR systems, again, that that's a pain. You know, but um, currently. Uh, uh, guys in St. Thomas Kings and uh, Royal uh, Royal Brompton or something. They're they're working close together. They're they're implementing Epic, um, and I think uh, they, they, it will be very good by the time they finish uh, in twenty end of 2023. I think though it's a long project, but uh, once that once that is done, so the care just focusing on a single patient. So it's a larger area within the central uh, part of London. So. Uh, the patient can go anywhere and the record is there. So um, it would be uh, very good for patients and uh, in terms of uh, doing all those uh, different AI stuff. So it will be uh, quite hands on uh, work. So uh, yeah, so we can, that, that's a broader subject, but um, yeah, in terms of sharing knowledge and working together, understanding and all the stuff. I mean, we are going hand in hand these days. So I'm, uh, I'm really positive about working closely with uh, you guys in the future too. Thank you, Nagi. That was brilliant. Um, so, Annie, anything to add before we? I'm conscious of the time um, and going into people's evenings, but we potentially could could go on to Nagi's second question. Have you got anything that you want to add? Uh, no, just uh, said yeah. The analytics is um, really useful. I made a note of that, and sort of collaboration across the patches um, would be good. And so, yeah, the useful comments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your question, Annie. Um, so, Nagi, quickly, quick round off. We've got <laughs> nine minutes. <laughs> sure. What, my my what, pleasure. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll read it out and then you can just give us a bit of context. And then, if everyone's got like, you know, something that's wired onto it, that should wrap us up nicely. Sure. Um, so, what are base, what basic reports we can deliver? to the services to acknowledge issues like winter pressures, waiting times, reduce theatre time utilisation if possible. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, by, by listening to the question, you can get the <laughs> feel of it. So I was trying to do uh, simple, simple things that could create uh, a good impact uh, across across the board. So uh, 
uh, because the winter is now, I think now it's officially winter. So, um, and the coming Christmas will be uh, very busy. So uh, what can we do uh, now so that uh, in the months of December and January, the ED can, you know, operate at calmer levels or any any report that we can try and like forecasting or anything that you have done. And same with the waiting waiting times as well, because last 20 months we haven't done the usual amounts of activity. So um, uh, how are you currently approaching the uh, waiting waiting times or how are you trying to clear that backlog? Uh, not as a clinical, but uh, how are we helping from a report perspective? Thank you, Nagi. Mark, we'll go straight over to you. You had your question. You had your hand raised before. <laughs> Nagi, even so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, keen as ever. No, so you're right. You need a sort of um, a way in to grab people's attention. So elective recovery, as a as an area um you know where you will have all the metrics on there including waiting times a and e just just so we know the good bit about christmas is that you know christmas eve christmas day we have we have more beds than we know what to do with the problems new year's day we, we just know that mod, mod, modeling is apart from that is difficult because you know covid has has been that game changer you know we We've not quite halved our bed capacity, but we've certainly had to ring fence certain wards for potential COVID. And and that's just added to the complexity of thinking about things. But it, it's it's about that the the whole discharge process, getting you know, making things slicker and easier. And it's, you know, dare I say, making sure everything is electronic, um, not not on somebody's um back of their envelope or you know, dotted around somewhere else. We, we we need we need to be able to capture the the data so that we can help them. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Annie, let's go over to you. Yeah, I was just thinking of the winter pressures and especially the elective recovery uh, with our RTT uh, waiting times and things like that. Um, one of the things which we have sort of started looking at is, I mean, earlier, uh, Pre-COVID, we were looking at numbers on a monthly basis uh, or a longer time frames. And to an extent, we've had to change that now. Um, we have collapsed the timescales to say in, in a more shorter timescales to looking at what's happening to our waiting list on a weekly basis or some people even look at it on a daily basis to say, uh, is it reducing or is it growing? And with the elective recovery as well, uh, it's not only looking at the waiting list, it's also looking at how many patients we are treating on an ongoing basis, what we are actually doing. So we are sort of comparing our current um, activity levels to pre-COVID uh, at a very shorter time scale. Earlier we were doing that as well, but it, it used to be done in board meetings in a monthly or a performance review meeting on a monthly basis, but that's significantly shortened uh, to say, okay, uh, if there is a problem, we get an early sign and we act on it as soon as we can. And we, if we isolate what specialties they are, we can take uh, action to solve those problems. That's, uh, that's one thing which I've noticed in the last few months that has uh, changed in the organization. Thanks, Annie. And then Emma, last but not least, if you want to 
quickly. We have some live dashboards, obviously, like your A&E dashboards, probably the equivalent of them, which are uh, kind of used by our, our gold teams or anyone who's on call, really, to access the current picture. Um, but we also have a performance team that sits outside of um, BI that looks into uh, forecasting and planning. So we have a bit on um, everything is, di is dictated at the moment by staff and a bit about sickness. So we'll have things on there that will look at demand going forward and then the amount of vehicles we need to have on the road and then to be able to satisfy that demand and then also look at the amount of staff we actually have to include uh, well staff to be able to staff the vehicles and skill mix and everything like that so we do a lot of forward planning based on um those metrics to kind of define winter planning and uh, what's going to happen 